Hello, it's Tax Credit Tuesday, and I'm Michael Novogratik. Today is Tuesday, April 20th, 2010. This week, I'll share the latest news from the CDFI Fund. The first of many deadlines for the eighth round of new market tax credits is only a few days away. Then, I have several renewable energy news updates. Last week, the House Ways and Means Committee held a hearing on energy tax incentives and their impact on the green job economy. House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Sander Levin told reporters on April 14th that the hearing was intended to lay the groundwork for legislation to promote the Obama administration's clean energy goals and build a domestic manufacturing base for renewable energy. Also last week, two new industry reports were released that include some interesting facts about the solar and the geothermal energy markets. And I'll share the latest developments in the efforts to reform the nation's housing finance system. On April 14th, the House Financial Services Committee held Part 2 in a series of hearings on the future of housing finance. Also on April 14th, the Obama administration invited public comments on the same topic. But first, I have an update about the Internal Revenue Service's plans for issuing guidance in the coming months. As some listeners may recall, In November last year, the Treasury Department and the Internal Revenue Service released the 2009-2010 Priority Guidance Plan. The plan contained 315 IRS tax guidance projects, projects that were scheduled for completion by June 2010. The IRS plans to publish a number of pieces of guidance related to affordable housing, new market tax credits, and renewable energy tax credits by June 2010 as part of the 315 total guidance projects. The IRS indicated that it would update the plan periodically to reflect additional guides that it intends to publish during the plan year. The IRS says that updating its plan also gives it flexibility throughout the plan year to consider comments received from taxpayers and tax practitioners related to additional projects, as well as to respond to developments that arise during the year. On March 16th of this year, the IRS released such an update. The updated plan includes 31 items of additional guidance, some of which have been published and many of which still remain to be finalized. I should note that there's no guarantee that the IRS will publish any or all of the items listed in its plan by June 2010. However, based on the current plan's list of guidance, tax credit professionals can look forward to guidance on a number of topics in the coming months. Those topics include four items related to the low-income housing tax credit. These four items are final regulations on the requirements for a qualified contract. Many of our listeners will recall that proposed regulations on this issue were published on June 19th of 2007. Additional guidance is also planned for the long housing tax credit relating to receipt of a grant in lieu of tax credits, as provided in Sections 1404 and 1602 of the Recovery Act. A third piece of guidance is planned to provide regulations concerning utility allowances for sub-metered buildings. Interim guidance on this topic was issued in Notice 2009-44. The final outstanding project currently planned for the low-income housing tax credit is guidance related to recapture under Section 42J. The IRS's guidance plan also includes three new market tax credit guidance projects. One, final regulations under Section 45D, on how an entity serving target populations meets the requirements to be a qualified active long-term community business. Proposed regulations on this issue were published September 24, 2008. Second, 
the plan includes final regulations under Section 45D that revise and clarify certain rules relating to the recapture of the new market tax credit. Proposed regulations on recapture were published on August 11, 2008. A third NMTC guidance item was added to the plan with the update on March 16th. The IRS is now working on guidance concerning the application of the passive activity rules under Section 469-2 New Markets Tax Credits. And on the renewable energy front, the IRS is planning guidance regarding what energy property costs are eligible for the cash in lieu of tax credits program under Section 1603 of the Recovery Act. This project will include guidance regarding the interplay of Recovery Act Section 1603 with Internal Revenue Code, Energy Tax Credit Sections 45 and 48. Novogratz and Company will continue to track the progress of this plan and will post the guidance as soon as it's released by the IRS. Stay tuned to www.novaco.com and follow me on Twitter to be the first to learn of updates. You can also sign up to receive our free industry alert services to be alerted by email when important new guidance is released. These email updates are the most comprehensive and timely updates as you'll find anywhere. We use these updates to keep all Novograd company professionals current on late-breaking news. In case you aren't already a client, you might also be interested to know that Novograd Company offers a number of low-income housing tax credit consulting services. These services include assembly and analysis of low-income housing tax credit and tax and bond applications, and this is the filing season. It includes compilations of financial forecasts, assistance in preparing and analyzing development and operating income performance, as well as due diligence reviews for syndicators and investors. Novogratz and Company can also help prepare accounting, reporting, and compliance reports, including, obviously, audits and tax returns. We can assist in structuring tax credit acquisitions. We can help clients streamline operations. We can also evaluate financing options for affordable housing properties. And we can consult regarding workouts of troubled properties. If you have any questions on any of these topics, please don't hesitate to contact the Novograd and Company office near you or give me a ring at 415-356-8000. Moving on, let's review the latest news from the CDFI Fund. Organizations that are interested in applying for the eighth round of New Markets Tax Credits are reminded that the deadline to apply for certification as a Community Development Entity, or CDE, is six days from the date of this recording. In order to be eligible to apply for an allocation of NMTC authority in the 2010 round, applicants must have submitted applications for CDE certification by April 26th. If a certified CDE wishes to change its designated CDE service area, it must submit that request for such a change to the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund by 5 p.m. on June 2nd in order to be eligible in the 2010 application round. I invite listeners with questions about CDE certification or the NMTC program to call my partner Owen Gray in our San Francisco office at 415-356-8000 or my partner John Shreddy in our Dover, Ohio office at 330-602-4600. After you've submitted your CDE certification application, I invite you to log in to Novograd & Company's NMTC application webinar on April 27th. My colleague, Nicola Pinoli, in our Portland office, we'll review the basics of the application process as well as strategies for submitting a competitive application. Please also save the date for Novograd & Company's 9th Annual New Markets Tax Credit Spring Conference. We'll gather on June 10th and 11th in Washington, D.C. 
In related news, last week the Treasury Department announced a series of national listening sessions regarding the CDFI Fund's authorizing statute. The CDFI Fund says that in an effort to foster discussion and generate interest within the community development finance industry regarding its request for public comment on the RICO Community Development and Regulatory Improvement Act, it will host a series of listening sessions, which are being held across the country between April 19th and the 23rd. There will also be a conference call listening session hosted specifically for CDFIs and other participants based in Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, Hawaii, Guam, and Alaska. CDFI Fund Director Donna Gambrell says that the CDFI Fund's 15th anniversary is a perfect time for leaders in our industry to look at how we can apply innovations and best practices to improve performance. She says the CDFI Fund views these listening sessions as a unique opportunity for constructive dialogue to support the growth and success of CDFIs and the entire community development finance industry. The listening sessions will cover a range of technical and substantive issues, from the CDFI Fund's flagship programs and certification to new provisions that could be made to the authorizing statute. Input from the sessions, along with written comments, will be used to formulate future policy and legislative proposals to enhance support to CDFIs. The CDFI Fund specifically encourages the participation of certified CDFIs, past awardees and applicants, community development trade groups, and others interested in community development finance. Written comments are due by May 7th. Now let's shift gears and turn to renewable energy tax credit news. First, let's review the hearing that was held last week on renewable energy tax incentives. The Ways and Means Committee heard expert testimony last week about the effectiveness of current energy tax policy and about additional steps that the committee can take to ensure continued job growth in this area. The discussion included a review of current and proposed energy tax incentives. Now, I should note that the Joint Committee on Taxation released a report that outlines the energy-related tax provisions and changes proposed in the budget in advance of the hearing. That report, JCX-23-10, can be found online at www.energytaxcredits.com. Just go to the Research Center section. Ways and Means Chairman Sander Levin says that the Ways and Means Committee is aggressively engaged in advancing legislation that will support business expansion and create new jobs. The Energy Information Administration, or EIA, estimated that thanks to the Recovery Act, twice as much electricity will be generated from wind than would have been so generated without the Recovery Act's policies. During the next six years, The EIA has projected that residential tax credits for solar equipment will encourage the installation of more than 1.6 million solar units nationwide. Witnesses at last week's hearings discussed the $2.3 billion in investment tax credits that were allocated under Section 48 Cap C as well. These tax credits are allocated to manufacturers that established, re-equip, and expand domestic manufacturing facilities that are used to produce advanced energy equipment. The Department of Energy reports that demand for these manufacturing tax credits far exceeded supply. Applicants requested three times the amount of tax credits available, or more than $8 billion in requests. The administration has proposed an additional $5 billion of these tax credits for a new round of competitive awards. Treasury Assistant Secretary for Tax Policy Michael Mendaka testified at the hearing 
and called for the repeal of a number of tax preferences for the oil, gas, and coal sectors, a move that has faced significant opposition when it has been suggested in the past. In his written testimony, Assistant Secretary Mundaka proposed that additional tax credits be provided under the Section 48 Cap-C program for advanced energy manufacturing facilities. He also listed expiring or expired energy tax incentives that he said should be extended. A number of witnesses noted that the energy tax incentives created by the Recovery Act have been key factors in driving green job creation and putting the country on a track to economic recovery. Victor Abade, Vice President of Renewals at General Electric, told the committee that provisions in the Recovery Act helped provide vital financial capital for renewable energy projects during the recent credit crisis. He said that the provision under Section 1603 that makes the tax credit convertible into cash was a critical step in enabling renewable energy projects to be financed through the economic downturn. Stephanie Burns, Chairman, President, and CEO at Dow Corning, testified that the Section 48 Cap-C Advanced Energy Manufacturing Tax Credit was a significant first step towards establishing new clean technology manufacturing jobs in the United States. Joseph Rahm, a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress, said that the Recovery Act's transition to a cash grant in lieu of the Investment Tax Credit, or ITC, has made financing renewable energy projects easier in the absence of a lively tax equity market. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, Chairman Levin has indicated that the hearing was meant to set the stage for legislation to promote the Obama administration's clean energy goals. However, our listeners should also note that Chairman Levin has also made it clear that his first priority is to pass a tax extenders bill and a small business bill by the Memorial Day recess. In the Senate, attention has also begun to focus on renewable energy legislation. A group of 10 senators wrote a letter to Senators John Kerry, Joe Lieberman, and Lindsey Graham on April 15th calling for provisions to address manufacturing competitiveness that they say must be included in any clean energy legislation. The letter writing was led by Senator Sherrod Brown and outlines essential provisions necessary for clean energy legislation that strengthens American manufacturing competitiveness, creates new opportunities for clean energy jobs, and creates a level playing field for domestic manufacturers. The letters suggest a multi-pronged strategy to maintain and strengthen the nation's industrial base and the millions of related manufacturing jobs. Specifically, the letter calls for legislation expanding the 48-CAP-C Advanced Energy Manufacturing Tax Credit and providing tax incentives to encourage capital investments in efficiency and clean energy technology. In related energy news, two reports released last week revealed some interesting impacts that the stimulus funding has had on the renewable energy production. The first report, called U.S. Solar Industry Year in Review 2009, was released by the Solar Energy Industries Association, or SCIA. The report reviews solar energy production and investment in 2009. The second report is the Geothermal Association's April 2010 U.S. Geothermal Power Production and Development Update. In its report on the solar energy industry, SCIA found that solar industry revenues grew 36% last year. The report also revealed some interesting statistics related to Recovery Act programs. As of early February 2010, 13 solar, thermal, and 169 solar electric 
properties had received Section 1603 Treasury grants in lieu of the investment tax credit. The grants totaled $81 million and represented more than $271 million in solar energy investment. SEIA also reports that solar equipment manufacturers have been awarded $600 million in manufacturing tax credits. In January, the Department of Energy awarded more than $1 billion in manufacturing investment tax credits to 60 factories that supply equipment to the solar energy industry. In the report, SEIA concludes that three Recovery Act programs, including the Section 1603 program and the Manufacturing Tax Credit program, have driven a sizable increase in solar employment. SCIA advocates extending both programs for the solar industry. According to the report, the tax credit equity market has not yet recovered, and SCIA feels that an extension of the commenced construction deadline for the Section 1603 program through 2012 would provide liquidity to the market. Additionally, SCIA would like to see the manufacturing tax credit itself extended through 2016. The Geothermal Energy Association's report found that geothermal power production has increased 26% since last year. The April 2010 update said that federal stimulus funding in the geothermal industry will result in more than $600 million of new technology research at 135 projects in 25 states during the next two years. The report also found that Recovery Act funding has spurred stalled and new geothermal projects. The association said that 188 geothermal projects underway would result in more than 29,000 permanent, direct, indirect, and induced jobs and will represent more than $35 billion in capital investment when completed. The 188 projects are located in 15 states. One geothermal project benefiting from stimulus funding is Razor Technologies' Hatch Geothermal Power Plant which is providing power to the city of Anaheim, California. You can read more about the plant in the May issue of the Novogratz Journal of Tax Credits. To subscribe to the magazine or request a free sample copy, please visit www.novaco.com journal. Our final topic for today is a quick look at the latest news and the discussions related to the reform of the nation's housing finance system. On April 14th, the House Financial Services Committee held part two of its series of hearings on the future of housing finance. Last week's hearing focused on government and stakeholder perspectives. The committee heard from HUD Secretary Sean Donovan, from Anthony Reed on behalf of the Financial Services Roundtable, from Sheila Crowley, President and CEO of the National Low-Income Housing Coalition, from Alex Pollock, a resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, from Jack Hopkins on behalf of the Independent Community Bankers of America, from Tom Gleason on behalf of the National Council of State Housing Agencies, from Anthony Randazzo, Director of Economic Research for the Reason Foundation, and from Rick Judson, Third Vice Chairman of the National Association of Home Builders. Links to all the witnesses' written testimony, as well as an archived webcast of the hearing, are available on the committee's website. Simply go to financialservices.house.gov. Also on April 14th, the Obama administration released questions for public comment on the future of the housing finance system, including Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and the overall role of the federal government in housing policy. A Treasury Department press release 
says a number of questions have been designed to generate input from a wide variety of constituents, including market participants, industry groups, academic experts, and consumer and community organizations. The questions will also be published in a Federal Register notice requesting public comments, and information on the process for submitting comments will be included in that notice. In addition to the opportunity to submit written responses, the administration intends to hold a nationwide series of public forums on housing finance reform. More information about submitting comments, including the list of questions created by the Treasury Department and HUD, can be found online at www.hud.gov. Before I wrap up today's podcast, I wanted to review some coming events. First, let's consider a question mark in the tax credit calendar, and that is when HUD will release the new rent and income limits for 2010. This data is published each year about this time, but there's no deadline set or set schedule for its release. At the time of this recording, the new income limits were expected at any moment. To be among the first to learn of their release, I encourage you to sign up for Novogratz and Company's free industry alert emails. You can sign up online at www.novaco.com. Subscribers can also update their mailing preferences by logging in with their email address and choosing which tax credit topics you're most interested in. Now getting back to the calendar, I should mention again the NMTC or New Market Tax Credit Application Webinar that Novogratz and Company will present on April 27th. And if you're not able to tune in on the 27th, we'll offer a chance to download a recording of the webinar that can be replayed at any time. Then it's time for our Renewable Energy Tax Credit Conference. There's still time to join us for the conference. It'll be April 29th and the 30th in San Francisco, California. And next month, on May 6th, I'll be speaking at Miller Nash's Affordable Housing Conference. This one-day educational seminar will feature regional and national leaders and trendsetters who will share insight on financing, developing, and building low-income housing tax credit projects. I will be speaking about what Congress has in store for housing at this conference. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Please join me again next week for another round of Tax Credit Tuesday. And in the meantime, please consider following me on Twitter. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. (music) 